find the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home and laugh behind the baller. Yo, 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 what up, BTV Army, and welcome to another brand new episode of the world-famous Behind the Baller podcast. Yes, I got a little bass behind my voice. I'm excited. It is not my favorite day of the week, but it don't matter. We're about to get it in. Guys, you are listening to the world-famous BTB podcast. I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble, also known as the Korean John Cusack aka the wash lord aka the shank king this is a dust brothers production call it as you see it motherfucker you hear that crystal clear diamond audio that is done by my man miles davis my man jordan winter guys you already know the deal man we are number one in fucking 16 17 countries i got people from ghana hitting me up brazil botswana australia you name it we worldwide over here all right, y'all, let's get this motherfucking show started. I have a whole different, I feel disoriented, I feel organized, I feel. I have a lot to say in a short amount of time because I got a little special segment that I want to jump on here with today. So guys, my man Lakey Lake is right, right there. Miles, is that Lakey right there? Oh, let's fucking go. So, um... I always get somebody saying some shit like, thought you don't go out anymore. Thought you play with If a motherfucker lies one time and tells the truth 700,000 times, he's a fucking liar. If I whoop some ass 92% of the time, would you want to fuck with me? Think about it. And everyone's way bigger than me. Come on, man. Y'all on some crazy shit. I have not been out in almost five years. In a few months, it'll be five years that I have not been out to a bar or club in L.A. County. That is literally south of fucking San Jose even. We'll go Central California. We go south of San Jose all the way down to San Diego. It's been that long. Not since my 45th birthday. I have not been out. Don't want to go out. I'm not tripping. Go to dinner with my wife and I'm talking about a bar club. And um, this weekend, we've crushed it. I've made some very big engagement rings. Um, I got some big jobs. I have something so fucking big I cannot talk about due to so many different reasons. And you'll hear about it, whether it be in a month, whether it be in a couple weeks. I don't know. It's up to them to talk about it. But I decided to take my employees out. And IF&Co is one entity of several that I own. And I co-founded the company. I don't talk about jewelry on here like that, but I have a squad and they're all good guys. They're all hardworking guys. You know, they may make some mistakes here and there. I don't feel like I'm around enough to give some certain guidance. And sometimes when I'm at the store, it's actually a distraction because people want to talk and and um, take pics and whatever, but they don't want to do any work. Not my employees. I'm just saying like it just becomes a distraction for clients or whatever. And so this weekend, I decided to take out my IF and Co team to a club in Koreatown called Terracotta or Terracotta. I don't know. Bottom line is this is a hot spot in K-Town. K-Town has changed tremendously because I go back to the days of fucking Karnak and La Prive and f- way before that even when Mega was around and fucking well turned into VR anyway. But uh, going out to fucking La Circle even, which was La Prive, going out to different clubs and um, Com, which is still probably around. But Terracotta is the new hype Korean, you know, club. And, and K-Town is just different. K-Town's always been 100% Asian, 80% Korean, but a lot of Chinese and Vietnamese and Japanese people go out there. And uh, it was like a little mixed crowd. It was packed. My employees go all the time. My little cousin James goes every so often. And it's right there in the heart of K-Town. It's right there, Wilshire and Western, right next to the Wilshire and Theater. And it's crowded every week, right? Thing is, I told these guys not to put my name on any flyer, on any Instagram thing. They did anyway, and it's fine. It's all good. I said, look, I'm going to pay for the bottles. I'm not tripping. I will pay for the bottles. When I saw the bottle sheet of what they were charging for bottles, 
I actually couldn't believe it. They were even maybe less than Cheesecake Factory prices if Cheesecake Factory carried Class Azul and Casamigos in 1942 and everything. And it was just it was just crazy how cheap shit was. Like Casamigos is three hundred fucking dollars, man. 1942 was like six hundred five. Bro, the cheapest bottle in excess or eleven is twelve hundred. You want to get a bottle of Ciroc? Twelve hundred. You want to get a regular bottle of Casamigos? Thirteen hundred plus tax plus twenty percent gratuity. Okay, shit is different. This spot, very affordable. So I was like, look, I'm down. I want to get two tables. I want to be chilling. I need five security guards. I don't go out like that. Ended up being a great, great time. My employees had a great fucking time. My cousin James came out who runs all the back end of IF and Co. And it was just good to see my people out. And um, it, the bill was incredibly cheap. I think the final bill and they comped some bottles because they felt bad. And I didn't want to sit there and make it all. I was like, fuck it, dog. It is what it is. But the bill was like $2,800. And that was with Katui. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I haven't seen a bill that low in a club since I was in Texas. Okay. For some of you guys listen, if you guys go out in LA, New York, or Miami, you ain't going to see bottle prices for that. And we had fucking popped shit. Maybe fucking six bottles of Class Azul, like six bottles of Casamigos, shit, four bottles of champagne. It was crazy. The bill was very low. But um, more importantly, we had dinner at Quarters Barbecue before that. I just found out it's the same owners as Quarters. You already know my favorite Koreatown barbecue for every aspect of, of Korean barbecue. They have the new, they have the old, they have the quality beef, and I like the ambiance, and I like the cheese fondue, which is amazing when you fucking dip that Wagyu in there. It's just forget about it. And you put some pugogi or some fucking, uh, you know, samdipsol and like everything. It's just so fucking good. And uh, thank God I didn't have the bubble guts. Didn't have to go take a shit and have my colitis act up or nothing. And we just had a good ass time. And I ended up staying to like around 115, 130. I didn't stay out too late. One, because I didn't want to fucking have to deal with just any kind of weirdo on the street. There was already some crazy motherfuckers walking around. But you know, it's my hood and it's a trip. I didn't get to really absorb everything while I was there. I just kind of had to try to have a good time and sit and talk to some people. I seen one of my high school classmates who so I was like definitely the oldest dude in the club by at least double. I think the average age everyone there was 23 there was some 27 20 here and there whatever but i was you know definitely probably one of the oldest guys in the club if not the oldest for sure but my boy sung was in there and he used to own a lot of clubs in like koreatown and after hours all that type of shit and uh actually looked pretty good i was surprised um so anyways yeah partied and um had a great fucking time and my boy jackson wang who is a fucking mega super k-pop star he's trying to take the k-pop thing off his name he's in, he was in a huge group called got seven i think they're still in the group but uh i was in a music video with him he flew me out to korea he's flown me out to china before but he's a chinese dude who is in a k-pop band he fully speaks korean he has a whole team and uh he signed to a record label called 88 rising 88 rising is the fucking bad boy entertainment of china and they have all the popping shit out there, you know. Um, shout out to my boy Sean, who's one of the owners of 88 Rising. But um, they had a really, really big group, rap group in China called uh, Higher Brothers. I think they broke up. But Jackson Wang has 30 million followers on Instagram. He is a fucking huge star. He's been out here for a while. I don't know why he didn't just DM me because we follow each other. But he's been coming by the store here and there. He thought maybe I was mad at him. I don't know. And he's been on, you name it, Marie Claire, Vogue, L, all the big fashion magazines, everything. Dude's a pretty boy. But we ain't kicked it in a minute. I just realized I haven't seen him in five years. So he pulled up, hung out with me for an hour or so. We got to kick it, chop it up. He's out here in LA recording uh, music. And uh, I feel bad my boy Jay Park was out here too. But uh, Jackson's about to go on a tour, his first solo world tour. He wants me to come jump on some shows with him. I don't know why the fuck he wants someone so fucking old to accompany him. But I met this dude when he was 21 and he's fucking 28 now. But a huge star. I really appreciate him just embracing, you know what I'm saying, and coming through and um, just showing love. But I had to have somebody drive me home. I had security with me, right? And I really tried to keep it at three to four drinks. And I feel like at three drinks, I'm like, all right, let me chill out for a little bit. Let me drink one bottle of water for every drink I have. That's my key. For every legit shot plus drink I have is going to be one bottle of water. When I got to five, six drinks, I was like, yo, I don't think I'm good to drive home. Now, I could have, 
but with what's going on and just giving people a reason, like I got a lot of shit popping up, I can't do the DUI thing anymore because you're going to jail for real. And just whether you stay in the drunk tank or whatever, I'm just not having that. Last thing I want to do is, is be irresponsible. Get home. I wake up in London and Ryder's bedroom. Okay. My wife had texted me. I charge my phone every night. My phone is always on fucking never goes below like 75. And um, I don't even want to say what she said to me. <laughs> but woke up hungover as a motherfucker on Sunday. Um, Sunday is family day. Saturday is family day because the kids are back in school. So yeah, man, you know, we had a good old time. I woke up, we had a little brunch and I decided to take Ryder to Malibu just to take the center out and get, you know what I'm saying, and stretch my legs and went out, cruised in the center, hit Malibu and we're chilling. A bunch of people taking pictures of the cars, obviously. And I got there so late that a lot of the cars had left. There are a couple cars there still. But you know, I'm pulling up in a hypercar. It ain't like I'm pulling up in an everyday car. I'm not pulling up in a Lambo or Ferrari. I'm pulling up in some shit. So I parked a car and I get a text message from Tyler, the creator. And it's a picture of motherfuckers literally putting their head in the back of my car. I'm like, what the? I can't see it because it's like grainy and everything. And now I'm pissed because I didn't really pay attention to the text and I haven't talked to Tyler in a couple months. And the motherfucker, I thought he was fucking with the car. So I call him. He was like, yeah, bitch ass N-word. Like, what's up? Where you at? Tyler pulled up to Malibu in his McLaren. He has 675 LT, which I love that car. And it's a purest car when it comes to like track shit. Pulls up and, um, you know, come out, chop it up with him. He cracks me up. We sitting there shooting it up. We're just sitting there talking shit. Get my son a little Starbucks. And then we head back. We decided to go to the park, shoot some basketball, play a little bit, get back. And we decided to go to the mall to get my wife some stuff because she's leaving to Barcelona for a week. And um, I got some ice cream. I posted the Ben Baller Kai strawberry collaboration. It has the BB logo on the front. On the back, it says, strawberry jams, but my Glock don't. And I didn't really think too much of it, whatever. We dropped it during um, this raffle we did. And... Um, we sold the shirt for cheap. I think it was like $35, maybe 20 I don't know. It wasn't anything much. And we made 3,000 tees. And it sold out in a matter of three days. And I was fucking actually surprised. And my wife decided to break out a freshie. I got one freshie left, I think. She broke out a freshie and people were like, yo, I need that tee, blah, blah. And I had no idea. It's been a long time since I had merch that caught that level of fire. And my wife looked good in the tee. I ain't gonna lie to you. She was wearing her fucking biker shorts and... and you know, peach looking good. I'm sorry, it's my wife, you know, but um, people blew me up about it. So we did that, you know, and got some ice cream, head back. And I'm like, you know what? Let me go hit some golf balls. I don't hit my coach up. I just said, hit Weddington real quick, get a, a medium bucket, 70 balls. And I am fucking exhausted. Now, by the way, guys, I am about to head to a celebrity golf tournament in a little bit. And I'll talk about that after the break. But I was fucking dead exhausted. And prior to that, on Saturday, I took London to hit some balls. London crushed it on Friday at his golf school for, um, I'm sorry, for his school team. And I hit some balls Friday, felt good. Saturday, I had probably the best session of hitting balls in my entire life. And I have dudes tell me, that's Cap, that's this, that's that. I posted a fucking podcast interview from fucking Bryson DeChambeau, who is considered one of the greatest long, you know, drivers in the PGA, now he's on the live. And he broke down that if you take your time, you don't have to go fast, slow down your backswing, pause there for a second, you give your time, your body more time to turn, and you're going to have a lot more power and go further. And that's exactly what I've been doing. People say, oh, that's Cap, that's this. I'm showing pictures of where the ball's going. And if people are like, you're retarded. I've shown track man readings and stuff. People are like, what the fuck? Like, y'all don't get it. I never said I was good at golf. And because I can drive the ball, you know, I'm in a range. I have 70 balls. Usually I do 10 on my three wood and then 10 on my driver. And I might do five to 10 max on my hybrid and five to 10 max on my DHY. I've hit these balls 240, 250. And people have a hard time believing that shit. And I've hit my driver 300 before, but it's been done. There's hundreds of people have said it. There's people who bet me 5,000, came, lost the bet, then blocked me. I've said this already, but I had a shitty ass session hitting balls last yesterday. 
come home, we eat Chinese food, and I decided to do something special because people were talking shit about the fact that I didn't speak about this Patrick Beverly trade on Monday's episode last week, and then Thursday it was too late. And I thought the best thing for me to do is get my boy Cuffs the Legend, who was a good friend of LeBron James. He is a real, for real basketball analyst. He's a trainer. He's all that stuff. We're going to get into it in a second. But I want him to come on here and, and really, you know, put some insight on this whole Pat Bev trade and what he thinks about it. Because he's a lot more articulate and deeper when it comes to that type of shit, right? I'll, I'll speak about it in a certain level and not give a fuck. But, um, yeah, let's get into that right now. We're going to pay a couple bills, get into Cuffs the Legend, and uh, we'll be back with more BTB. All right. If you keep on saying you need to make a budget but never do it, if somehow you keep missing credit card payments, if you're afraid to look at your bank statements, then it's time for you to take back control of your financial life. Meet Rocket Money, formerly True Bill, our favorite financial app, my favorite financial app. So why did True Bill change its name to Rocket Money? True Bill is now backed by Rocket Companies and has grown from a bill management app into a full-on personal finance empowerment tool that helps over 3.4 million people with budgeting, lowering bills, canceling subscriptions, and more. You all know I use this app often. Been talking about it since before they even sponsored the show. Members on average save $700 a year. Nobody uses it more than I do, and I can tell you that it works wonders. And with all that growth comes the next evolution in Truebill's story, a new name. Bottom line, Rocket Money is everything I've loved about Truebill, but with just a fresh look and a fresh feel. Start canceling your unused subscriptions and save money at rocketmoney.com slash baller. That's rocketmoney.com slash baller. Or download the app from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. What's good, BTB Army, man? Um, I want to do something different because you guys have been kind of harassing me about the sports shit. And um, you already know, man, we're about to get into Seahawks season and we, that's a whole nother conversation. And I know the Niner haters and or the Niner fans, including Miles Davis, our producers, you know, they're hating and everything. But there are a lot of Laker fans that listen to the show. Of course, we are the world's team. We are the world's basketball team. And as you guys know, me and Paul Pierce got into it in Atlantic City, and, and that was a whole different situation. But I, I'm real sensitive when it comes to my Lake show. So we got a special dude. His name is Cuffs the Legend. He is a coach. He is a trainer. He is a father. He is the president of Team Durag. He is uh, close to LeBron James. Obviously, you know my situation with that. He is not here to be liked. I was on his podcast, which has already featured so many NBA and sports legends. He hails from North Carolina, and now he is the unofficial Lakers correspondent for Behind the Baller. What's up, Cuffs? <laughs> I, I like that title, man. I like that title. Yeah, because, you know, you're a busy man, so I can't really rely on you. Like, we have a correspondent for the Seahawks. We have a correspondent for, you know, the Dodgers and that, whatever. But you, you the unofficial, because... The craziest part about it is, um, I mean, I've been going to games since the early 80s, right? And um, um, I've had some, like, massive fans here and there. And then there's some people who are fanboys and will, like, they'll tell you 2 plus 2 equals 6 because it makes sense for Lakers. You know what I mean? Like, they can't see reality. Yeah. I like, that was one thing I love about Chick Hearn. Like, Chick Hearn would tear Eldon Campbell apart if he was doing bad like he would you know he would he would say <laughs> yeah. things and like even like you know like just during the forum and all those good days and he just kept it real and that's why I love Chick and R.I.P. Chick but with you from all your outtakes in the last three years um, I've only been following you for three years and the way I came across your page was 
it was the most random thing in the world and it wasn't a LeBron tweet. And then I saw that LeBron followed you and it was a funny thing. And I was like, damn, man, I hope they ain't cool, man, because that's going to be weird. <laughs> and then we jumped on a clubhouse chat. Remember with like a bunch of LeBron fans and they were like, yo. Yeah, it was crazy. It was haywire. They're like, Cuffs, I don't know if you know this, man. Ben probably one of the most prominent LeBron hit. You're like, wait a second, what? I didn't know that, man. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. I wasn't aware at first. Yeah. Yeah, but I've I've eased up quite a bit. And not because and my issue was like, I remember saying publicly, um, there was an incident a couple times, but I said something publicly and I said, um, you know, he went back to Cleveland and there's just no more slander. And I honestly to tell you the truth, I can't remember what sparked the other hate. And I finally said, you know what, man? Because I made a big statement. I was like, look, look, I'm getting rid of all my Lakers rings. I have actual, official, real NBA championship Lakers rings that don't ask why these people in the front office and players would sell them. It's just the stupidest thing. Because I'll never, ever get rid of them. But I said, LeBron's coming here, bro, and I'm, I'm getting rid of the rings. I can't be a fan with this dude. I just can't. His fanboys is coming this way, and I just, I can't do it. And then I caught my senses and I said, you know what? I'm just going to let it go. And I think he even liked the tweet. It was like a big one. It was like, you know, one of the the ones that got like 13, 14,000 likes on Twitter. And that's like equivalent to like 100K on Instagram, you know? And it was like a, it was a statement. And I don't love the guy, I don't hate the guy, but it was kind of like, it's hard not to like him these days. You know, he, he's really, it's not that he's trying to be PC, but I'm starting to see like, you know, okay, he ain't that bad. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyways, guys, this will not be a full interview. I am going to get Cuffs back on the show for the full, legit story of his life and his background. And there's some funny beefs amongst like some mutual friends and things. And, and I just like his outtakes, man. Again, he's raw. He's like me. And I just wanted to ask him a few questions. And I wanted to give you guys the weekend wrap up with something because something happened and y'all were talking shit because... In the emails and the fan mail, you guys said I didn't talk about the Pat Bev situation. I hate fucking Pat Beverly, but <laughs> I understand, you know, what his role is. Do you know what I mean? So before we get into that, man, can we get an early, just like a projection, man? Just your prediction of the upcoming Lake Show season. What do you think, bro? Oh man, projection right now is kind of it's kind of vague right now, Ben, because. It still moved as being made right now behind closed doors. So I, I think a lot of people saw the Pat Bev move, and they kind of, you know how Laker Nation are, man. I, I call Laker Nation like the masters of panic. Like they're the masters of panic, no matter what move is made, and they kind of overanalyze things. They they dissect things a little too much sometimes. It's it's just the nature of Laker fans. But uh, with the Pat Bev situation. Uh, I, I just think he a dog, man, and and he's a he's another voice. He's another voice, another vocal leader, and and Braun has always been like a real vocal guy in the locker room, around the team. Just he a big camaraderie guy, like morale guy. But Pat Bev, he's gonna bring like a lot of energy and grit to the team. I think they was missing that. So I kind of I kind of see Pat Bev having like a Derek Fisher role with the team, like the savvy vet. Pull on your jersey, be a pesk on defense, be a real pesky player. Um, but the outlook of the team, man, I just wanted the Laker Nation just to be patient. That's what I've been preaching. Just be patient, man, because it really comes down to Braun and AD being healthy. That's that's the number one component of the season. Like long as Anthony Davis is healthy, don't say Braun, bro. I'm not worried about Braun being healthy. I'm worried about yeah, Braun, Anthony. Braun, Braun gonna be fine, man. I was with him. And I seen him working out. Like his workout inspired just me man i'm in there watching them work out for almost two hours after the seattle pro-am game was canceled you know prematurely because of the condensation and stuff he in the back oxygen working out for two hours with dejounte murray and it's like this dude is really an animal so i don't have any worries about bronze health the main question is anthony davis you know i feel like ad is going to respond well and he's going to be in better shape than he's ever been and it's some more moves to be made. I can't really speak on the actual move that's being made, but it's some more dominoes that's going to fall. Damn. I think the, I think the Laker fans going to be happy with the starting five that's put on the floor this year. It's going to be more of a complete unit, man, more shooting, just complete pieces that you know, fit around LeBron and AD. I, I think Laker fans sometimes do get caught up in the big names, you know, and they already have LeBron and Anthony Davis. That's the main thing they should be focused on. Like, they're going to put these guys with some real quality role players 
because they haven't really had good role players around them since the bubble ring, you know, since the year they won in the bubble. So I think I think it's going to be a, a big season, man. The West is tough. You know, the NBA's stacked like it's never been. It's stacked. But as um, long as you got Braun and AD healthy, bro, like I feel like Lake of Nations should be like more on the positive upswing than I'm seeing like in Discord, in my Discord and Twitter. You see how they are. It's like rabbit fans, man. And it's like, yo, y'all got 17 banners, man. Y'all spoiled as fuck, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, so for real. Like, but the thing is, it's like, okay, I don't want to talk bad about the Niners, you know, but I am going to talk bad about them. Like, you know, they got their five rings, but the dog, they, they ain't won a ring in 25 years, you know, like it's 26 it's years now. It's and it's like, time. I feel like, look, I've said this before, really after a decade, that shit wipe out. Two decades? Like, a lot of these fans that are 23, like, bro, y'all wasn't even alive. You don't, even know, who fuck, alive, you don't yeah. even know who the fuck Steve Young is. So when I got in this conversation with, with even with Paul, like, bro, we still got shit within the last five years we got a ring within 10 we got do you know so like let me rewind a second hold on first of all because you just fucked me up you said d fish bro like look i know what d fish's role was but d fish wasn't like an annoying motherfucker to like really drive you crazy and like yeah yeah pesky like my thing with pat bev ben is pat bev is the guy that you want on your team you hate him you yeah, hate yeah. his fucking you hate his fucking guts <laughs> You're going to hate his guts when he play against your team. That's how Draymond is. Like, you hate Draymond. Me and Draymond developed a friendship in the last two years. I used to talk the most shit about Draymond those years when he was playing against Braun and the Cavs. But it's like, you, wouldn't you love to have a Draymond-type player? So but I, I never I really... Pat I, I never really hated Draymond the way I hate Pat Beverly. Like I, <laughs> What, what I, is it about Pat? What is it about Pat? Like, he's not big. Do you know? And I think it almost like a Napoleon complex in a way, but yeah, yeah. I respected him more on Minnesota more than I ever did on the Clippers. And, um, you know, cat's my dog. That's my boy. And like, I think after he took over, get up, not get up. I'm sorry. First take with Stephen A. I was like, Oh shit. His IQ is real high as far as basketball goes. And he, he was actually, I mean, I was so fucking shocked at how articulate and well-versed he was because I've never heard him speak before. And that's got nothing to do with, I don't give a fuck what he did in school and whatever as far as education. I'm talking about how he broke down the game and how he saw things. And Yeah, he's smart. I, yeah, he's, he's, smart. He's, he's, he's a smart motherfucker. And, and he reminded me a lot like Richard Sherman, you know, on that shit talking thing. And I was like, wait a second. But my worry now is, okay, the D-Fish thing, okay, cool. As far as a role, I understand that. At first I didn't because I was just thinking about the pesky shit. Now I get what you mean. And um, it's funny because I saw Derek Fisher last week on the golf course. Um, Anthony Davis, bro, I never in the history of the Lakers. Like, I remember Eldon Campbell when he played for us. I'm like, bro, I've seen this guy Clemson, like, destroy yeah, Clemson, a, yeah. a rim. Like, bro, why are you going up 900% and then you finish 30? Like, you soft. Like, bro, what the fuck is that? Like, so 80, it's totally different. He's big. He's got game. But as soon as he goes on the ground, it's like, we got to worry about a fucking ankle injury. We got to, like, this dude is so fragile, bro. Like, what's up? Yeah, it's been some bad luck with AD with the injuries. But, I mean, I have full confidence in him. And I see some of his workouts this summer. Like, not just the shooting stuff, but, like, the conditioning. And he, he's being banged up, man. But, like, this is a, I mean, I will admit it. As a fan and just unbiased, I will admit it. Like, this is a do-or-die year for AD. Like, this is a real crucial year. Just from his perception around the league, and he, he hears the whispers and the chitter chatter, man. So I feel like we're gonna get a motivated Anthony Davis. And the thing with Pat, man, um, a lot of people don't realize with Pat. Pat is a knockdown shooter. He's a very underrated shooter. He get, a lot of people always mention defense with Pat, and he is a pesky defender. Nah, uh, he'll get his Pat, little shots in. He surprised yeah, he me. Can, yeah. He can knock down an open shot. He can facilitate when he needs to. Uh, he's a really good rebounder at the guard position. And people forget Pat Bear was a big-time scorer in high school. Like He averaged 30-something a game. He he know how to put the ball in the basket when he needs to. And I just think he's going to play his role. That's the most important thing about Pat Bev coming to the Lakers. He's going to play his role. He's always wanted to play with LeBron, man. You know, people really? forget that. I yeah, thought, I thought they Bev, hated each other. No, Pat Bev was on the Miami Heat's uh, – like preseason roster the first year braun went to miami in 2011 pat bev was on that roster he didn't make the final roster like after training camp so i feel like he always had 
you know, he might have felt some type of way, like, damn, Braun might have could have helped, you know, might have could have put a word in it. It's like he always had this thing, but it wasn't really personal with him and Braun. It was just like a competitive thing where he really deep down inside has always wanted to play with Braun. And then, when you, like you said, when you saw him on ESPN this offseason, he mentioned that when they asked oh, him, you know, what part. team. Yeah, they asked him which team could he help be a contender or whatever the question was, and he was like the Lakers. And he kind of he kind of put the writing on the wall like a couple months ago. Like he wanted to play for the Lakers. He wanted to play with LeBron James at this point in his career because he know like LeBron. One thing people don't know about LeBron, man, LeBron is the leader of all the teams he's been on. But he likes to be pushed by teammates. Like he wants somebody in his ear saying, "Yo, you need to step it up a little more." Like he he likes those type of teammates, man. Believe it or not. So Pat Bev is gonna be. You're gonna see it this year where you're gonna see moments where Pat Bev gonna be in his ear. And it's like he respects that, you know, and it's like that's what I'm I I feel like it's going to be a big bonus to the team where you have another voice. And that guy's a dog like Pat is a dog, man. Look, I was looking at some highlights when they were showing him on ESPN. And I forgot he actually could Swiss cheese through a whole five defenders and get in and make a layup. And I'm like, God damn, bro, he didn't pass by Fred Van Fleet. And uh, what's my boy's name? The African cat. Um. Siakam, yeah. Yeah, Siakam. I'm like, God, this motherfucker passed through like five people and went and scored a, a layup. And yeah, he, could play. he could play, man. Yeah. He, he, it's, a, it's a good situation for him at this time of his career. I think when he was with the Clippers, they was kind of arrogant. You know, you saw how they was doing in the bubble. They was celebrating when Dame Lillard missed the free throws or whatnot. So Pat yeah. was known for that. But I, I, my whole thing, I, I joke about it on Twitter, Ben. I say it all the time. Like the rebrand. The Pat Bev rebrand has been actually fascinating to watch, man. Like, to go from, like, the most hated. He's going to be the fan favorite at, like, Crypto Arena this year. He's going to be the Bro, fan favorite. He pulled up in the Clippers offseason, like, when I mean, he pulled up to, to, in the playoffs – this man came to the game in black Air Force Ones, bro. That's a, <laughs> yeah. that's fuck. You know what I'm saying? That's like, the bro, energy. that's that's the fucking. But that's energy crazy, he dog. Bring. Like, and it wasn't like you know people coming in all this crazy ass like, Andronis. Yeah, yeah, but beyond the designer, I'm talking about like some some low key like you know sus shit. And that motherfucker pulled up, and some I was like, okay, bro, he's fucking <laughs> tripping, bro. So yeah. the most important question though related to this is, you think he could work with Russ? Because that's like. They really got funk, you know, like they really got smoke, it seemed like. So, you know, I know Russ, like it's weird. So, or you think Russ is out? Like, I mean, I know you can't speak on too much, but you know, but I'm just asking, like, let's say Russ don't go out. Like, how does that work on that one too, bro? Yeah, if we do the hypotheticals and say Russ doesn't leave, that's why I think a lot of Laker fans were panicking a couple of days ago when they saw this move. Because they was like, how is that going to possibly work with Westbrook? So everybody jumped to the gun. It was all type of think pieces and articles coming out. And I was like, everybody got to relax because <laughs> you got to look at what happened. This is the first move. So if Russ is there, they're going to find a way to make it work and coexist. You saw Pat Bev tweet. Like, he commented on my tweet. Like, I tweeted it. Braun retweeted it. Pat Bev came and retweeted it. And he said, yo, it's, it's go time. So a lot, I think a lot of times with that, that's not the only isolated situation that's like that in the league where – Fans sometimes don't understand, like you play sports, we play ball, like you understand where you can hate a guy when he plays on the other team. But if y'all have mutual interest and that's the winning championship, you put all that bullshit to the side. Dennis Robin and Michael Jordan showed us that. There's other, we can name more than that, but I mean. Yes, and I, I think it'd be fine if, like you said, hypothetically speaking, if Russ stays with the Lakers, it's going to work, man. Like, it's going to work. It's not going to be what the fans want to see. Because fans like that drama. They no, want to no, see I get guys. It. Look, I'm not worried about Pat, which is crazy. Because I don't even fucking know Pat. I just feel like Russ. I'm worried more about Russ. Yeah, dog. I'm worried. More, like, I'm not worried about Pat. I feel like Pat is the dude. Like, in a way, in my life, I look at me, moved around in high school, moved around here, transferred college. Like, bro, you know, I redshirted, then transferred to a D2. Like, and I'm Asian. So already, you know what I mean? I'm coming into a school, I mean, a team with, what do you think? 95% black people. Like, so what the fuck you think? Like, I have, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, the odd man out. I feel like Pat never minds that. He kind of was like, he embraced it. Like, oh, fuck, motherfucker. Yeah, he like, can adapt. Yeah, yeah he, he just, adapt. really, for real, adapt. I just feel like, you know, I'm almost not believing what I'm seeing with Russ because yeah, I remember Russ this. Russ with that. That's, yeah. Russ would probably be the first to admit it, even though he don't do a lot of interviews and kind of like, talk about his like personal feelings on shit like he real low-key as far as like information he put out but 
Like Russ, I think Russ did struggle with accountability this past season where it's like, you know, you're not playing well in certain stretches, but it's like he never just flat out was transparent to the media or just to the fan base where it was like, yo, I got to do better. I got to play better. You didn't really really hear that sentiment from him. And that's what rubbed fans the wrong way, where it's like a lot of times Russ would double down and say, you know, (laughs) the fan base would be on his ass. But bro, 40 M's, you know, like I didn't even pay attention really. 47 M's. I'm just saying, I'm saying, you know, we in the forties. I didn't think about anything until Jordan Winter, who's, my producers here are very big, enormous, not just sports fans, but deep encyclopedia, deep, deep, deep. You know, like, I mean, especially anything current, if you've been playing the last few years, I mean, everything. Like, they, Jordan Winter, my producer, put me on Spencer Dinwiddie, and I was like, oh, this shit, this motherfucker is raw. And this is when he was on the Nets, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, he and he's he so, tough. I know, his tra- I know his trainer, man. He's tough. He's been tough. He so, nice. you know, me knowing Russ since college, and him having an Asian teammate, five foot three Chinese point guard named Spencer Sue, who was a backup. Like, think about that. And then my other boy, Lorenzo, was his teammate. So I, I know Russ. I've seen him go through things here and there. And you're right. Because, look, when I watch golfers, it's one-on-one. There's no, you really have no other excuse. And it's like, yo, I'm playing like hell. I'm in a rut, boom, whatever. And, like, people respect it. And I'm Ben Baller. I'm not Ben Humble, right? But. I mean, I'm going to say something like, bro, he never said shit. Like, he, he addressed motherfuckers calling him Westbrook more than, you know what I'm saying? He talked more about Crips than he cared about to talk about what's going on in the game. It's, that's, and again, it's his prerogative, but come on, man. Like, accountability is a big thing, bro. Yeah, you're right. People see the money. People see the $47 million, they like, hold on, for $47 million, this is what you're giving us? So I, I've always supported him, though, man, even though he did have a bad seat. That's why I put that tweet out a couple of days ago because I was like, it's starting to get corny from the fan base, the way they really like coming at him over just. You ain't never heard so many shit. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's at the end of the day, man. I know fans love their team, but it's like, bro, we we seen players struggle. I know he make a lot of money. I know he didn't give the Lakers the championship they wanted last year. But it's like that's that's the only thing I didn't like. It got personal. It got way too personal. Where they yeah, attacking him. his wife, bro. Come on, man. Shit like that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it got, got kind of crazy. So I think, you know. My personal opinion on the situation, like I said this on my pod recently when I was talking about it, I think we might be looking at a situation where it is like a mutual understanding where it's like we just need to part ways because just for mental health reasons, for your own personal situation. So I think the fans kind of like understand that because like even in my discord band every day 24 hours a day is somebody talking about Westbrook in a crazy way and it's like you know he hear this shit even on Twitter every day he see the he hear the noise yeah. so i think he is going to bounce back i will say that he's not going to have Dog. the type of season he just had he's he still can really play at a high level it's inside that's the part him bro I don't like. that's, that's what i said it's inside like. him bro it's it, it's, yeah, it's like mental. it's mental as hell it's mental it definitely is mental he's not washed He's like I hear people saying he's nah, not. Athletic. He's not washed. We've seen some of the dunks he had this past year. You're not just jumping over people like that when you nah. watch. So it's mental. It's very. It's, I would say it's definitely over 80, 90 percent mental. Just somehow, deep, somehow the monsters came. The monsters, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just jumped. about to say like it, is, it, it looked like Space Jam for real, bro. Because I know it's in them right now. A lot of Lakers have left, um, been traded. There have been ones that I've been like, damn, these guys are young. I'm kind of like, all right, cool. Like, I was never a fan of Lonzo. I was always a fan of LaMelo. And I knew it was going to be something big. Tatum Tatum should have been a Laker, man. That's the whole problem. Right. And that, too. And there's a lot of weird little things here. Forget about who should have. I'm talking about ones that we had. Like, even though Lonzo was doing good here and there, I don't care about that. But I didn't see it till later when Magic was speaking about it. And Magic, one of the greatest point guards ever. And when I saw LaMelo, I remember Miles, my other producer here, he was like, bro, I don't think you understand what this boy's about to do. And, and he's doing it, you know. But, like, these guys, you know, Lonzo played for the team. You know, it was like, okay, damn. And, you know, sometimes you flourish better in a different front office, whatever it may be. But when I think about, and I'm talking about, like, in the last 10 years, the two that stick out that hurt to me are, like, Brandon Ingram, Lou mm. Will. Like, those ones yeah. hurt to me, dog. Like, I'm going to keep 100 with you. Like, those hurt, bro. Like, these, these dudes can't. Like, even Jordan Clarkson's doing good here and there. I'm not really tripping on that. But, like... A couple of them, they hurt, bro. I know we try to do it for the better or whatever, but who's someone that left the Lake Show and just you were like, God damn, bro? Like all time or in the last no, no, like, no, no, in, in, in the last five years, bro. 
Brandon Ingram would have to be on the list, but yeah. I will say, like, watching him emerge into a franchise player, he's from my home state. I watched him play in high school. He won four straight state championships. I went to all four of them. Like, I saw this coming. He went to Duke for one year. I went to a game or two. I knew he was going to be special. It took him a little while. And I think the Lakers management, they like, you know, we got to get this championship right now because that's the thing, man. Like, that pressure. Yeah. The Lakers – they have this internal pressure, oh, and it comes from the outward fans. It comes from the fan base. Like, the fans want championships. Like, you see the pressure. So, Rob Palenka, you know, Rob, Jeannie, and uh, fucking Kurt Ramos and all them, they got the craziest, most pressurized job in sports because they fan base places the pressure on them to make these fucking moves, man. So, But that's with any, like, any team, bro. You know what I mean? They yeah, all got it's, pressure. It's, it's really high with the Lakers, so... They had to say, Yo, do we want to go get Anthony Davis right now and trade away a couple of our young pieces to win a championship right now? Because we have LeBron James. You know, he got injured his first year. Even though we started off good, we beat Golden State on Christmas Day. He hurt his groin. He was out. They were good that year before he got hurt on Christmas Day. So it was but, like. But hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to add Caruso to the list because. I used Caruso, to call myself. Yeah, they, dropped, they dropped the fucking ball on Caruso. They, I call myself they, the Korean uh, Alex Caruso, bro. Just so you know, like I used to. <laughs> <laughs> I, fuck, I fuck with that dude. The man. Korean John Cusack, bro. You got the name, the Korean Earl Woods. I, I be loving. The, I love the AKAs, man. I, I got a couple myself. I call myself. I'm the biracial Brian Gumble, man. That's mine, man. <laughs> Shit. Okay, so what new cat? Are you excited about that's at least for what we know is on the team right now? Is there any any Laker new blood in the last two three years that you're excited about that's still on the team and can add whether you're coming off the bench or you think he might start? Man, I'm very I'm very excited about Austin Reeves his his second year. I feel I feel like his confidence is going to be sky high. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> He said he don't want the nickname anymore. He don't want to be called the nicknames Hillbilly Kobe and AR-15. But Austin Reeves, man, like he really – he showed me something last year. Undrafted, came in there, made some big shots. He finished the season with a triple-double on the road, and that kind of like propelled him into the offseason. I've been seeing some of his workouts. Like Braun spoke real highly of him in the offseason workouts he's been doing. So I think he's going to be bigger and stronger this year. And he got a chance to really see the pro game coming from, like, you know, college and being undrafted. And he really didn't expect to probably even make an NBA roster. You know? Wait a second. Hold on. Braun said some good stuff, like, behind the closed doors. He said some shit to you, like, saying he fuck with him? Yeah, he fucked with Austin Reeves heavy, bro. Like, oh, Austin damn. Reeves okay, that's like, good. Yeah, Austin Reeves respected in the locker room by all the guys, the coaches. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so, like, they got him kind of penciled in. Like, I've seen some reports a few days ago where they were saying he could possibly be like a starter this year or even what? if he's not a – yeah, like people sleeping on him, man. Like he can play the kick and shoot. He can pass. Him and Braun got great chemistry and synergy on the court, man. So he will be one of the guys I tell Laker fans. A lot of the diehard fans know this, but it's like really watch for Austin Reeves. And as far as the new guys, like the new draft class and some of the undrafted guys, uh, Scotty Pippen Jr., he's special, man. Like his IQ – I don't know if he's going to get a lot of time this year because they're going to be trying to you know, be in win-now mode. But just the future is bright for the Lakers franchise, though. Like What about Cole, Juan Cole. Toscano? Oh, yeah, JTA. Like, JTA, man, he, he's – I was talking about him. I actually spoke to him recently. Like, he is – he's underrated because he didn't really have a chance in Golden State to get those minutes because they, they shortened their rotation in the playoffs. But he's a really scrappy defender, man. He long, he he can guard like multiple positions. So he was an underrated signing because they didn't have to spend a lot of money to get him, and he's gonna be in the rotation. I like Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker is underrated, man. Uh, I feel like he kind of played in the outdated system with the Spurs, where they couldn't, they don't really run and gun like that. You know, nah, they kind of they never had that. Running, in them. Yeah, they running that that slow system, so. Uh, Lonnie Walker is another guy the Laker fans going to probably really fall in love with. Real athletic. He can shoot better than people realize from three. He can defend. He pesky. That's, that's the overall part of this team this year, I think, Ben, is going to be they're going to be a much more athletic team like Damian Jones, center. Thomas Bryant can really go. He didn't play last year. He was injured. But no, nah, I like Thomas. Thomas. Bryant, yeah, Thomas can really scrap. He can shoot the three ball. He pick and pop. Uh, Cole Swider. Cole Swider is – I think he could fuck around and really be like 
in the rotation. Undrafted kid out of Syracuse. I've seen him cook Carolina this year in the Dean Dome. He's automatic. Like, he was the best three-point shooter in the summer league. And he's on the radar right now. Like, Palenka and a lot of the front office people are really high on him because he surprised people even more at summer league. Like, he was like, I want to say he shot like over 50% from three. And it was contested threes. So just imagine yeah, 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 the, yeah, open, right. the open shots he's going to get with Braun and them on the court. Because the Lakers always have at least one undrafted guy or one unheralded guy that makes the rotation. Like Austin Reeves was that guy last year. So yeah. I think Cole Swider, maybe Scottie Pippen Jr., those two out of the undrafted guys got a chance to crack the rotation. And they're going to they're be fan favorites, though. What happened to Mac, bro? Mac McClung, I think it just is – I like his game. I was a fan of him, man. He he kind of, like, went back and forth to the G League, and Golden State picked him up on a uh, – Oh, I think he got a man. Yeah, he got, a, like, an Exhibit 10 deal where he got to kind of, like, make – it's not a guaranteed deal, so he got to kind of, like, make the roster with Golden State, which he might. Uh, but I like Mac, man. But I just think you were talking about him. Like, you you put me up on game on, dude. I watched him a summer league game. He yeah, was, he was tough, man. He been tough since high school, real scrappy. He done got better. Like he got better in the G League. A lot of guys bad. So I think Scottie Pippen Jr. is gonna kind of fill that role for the team. And Scottie Pippen Jr. might end up being the third point guard. It, 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 like I said, these trades are about to go down. I think so. It's still gonna be some moving parts. Where it's, if Kendra Nunn is still there, he's gonna help. But if Kendra Nunn gets traded away, then it's like it might be a possibility for, for some minutes, you know, at that second or third point guard spot. So I think the team going to look totally different on opening night than even right now. We still about a month and a half, two months away. So I think it's going to be by the time opening night come, Laker fans going to be satisfied with with the starting five. Because, you know, the rumors out there, the Buddy Hill trade, Miles Turner, Cam Reddish. There's a lot of names floating around, man. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, even, yeah, yeah. Every Fournier is out there floating around. So I, I, I think they're they going to be able to get a couple of those guys if they pull the trick on that trade. I feel bad for one of my boys who actually uh, been moved around all over the league. And uh, he plays golf, too. And, and um, he ended up on the Lakers at the end of the season. And uh, I went to go see him because, you know, that's my dog. And it's like when you see a player that move around like 10 times, my man DJ Augustine, I was really happy yeah, to see Augustine, him. Yeah, Augustine, yeah. You know, that's my dog. Just to see, you know, he's, he's shorter than me, bro. You know, it's like to see that in the league is, is nice. All right, I got one question. I don't want you to get deep into it. I don't want you to say, I literally want a yes or a no because it's something that's talked about a lot. I've heard almost all your podcasts. You talk about, but I'm talking about like, I want my listeners, you say yes or no. Was the bubble chip a legitimate ring? Was that a legitimate championship? Hell, fucking yeah, it was legit. Man. Thank you, man. <laughs> Fuck, bro. Let, me tell, let me tell you why, and the short answer why. Because those guys, right? I I communicated with a lot of those guys. Me too, bro. Bubble. Those guys were in fucking hell, man. Like not not physical hell, but psychological hell. Like they were away from their wives, girlfriends, kids for months. I went to China for three weeks away from my family, and I was going fucking crazy in, in Beijing. Like, bro, I love it over here, but I've never been away from my family and kids and my whole, like, setup for longer than a week or two, bro. They was in the bubble for a couple months. Dog, so trust me. It was I a battle with the fittest. Like, I feel like it, it is legit because it was really like a mental gauntlet. It was the battle of the fittest mentally, and a lot of those fucking teams checked out, like the Clippers. Bro. A lot of those teams everybody thought was going to win, they weren't mentally strong enough to make the finish line, bro. Bro, I was talking to Austin Rivers, and he's been on the show. We've talked. We're good friends. I was talking to Bull Bull, and people are like, yo, man, fuck this place, dog. <laughs> fuck this, dog. I mean, real shit. On. Like, at a certain point, they're like, yo, yeah, let's try to get this. Okay. And let's say, like, you, you know, you get that momentum change and the decline yeah. go your way. And, you know, like, a lot of people don't have that you down 1-3 to come back and be LeBron and win the thing. These guys are like, fuck it then. You know what? Cool thing is I go get see my family. I'm like, no, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? And people yeah. try to say it's like it was a, a asterisk seat. I was like, dog, have you lost your fucking mind, bro? It was Let me probably- tell you what it was. Let me tell you what happened, Ben. The reason why people say that to this day is because LeBron won it. His team won it. If the Clippers would have won and Kawhi got that bubble chip, nobody would say a fucking word that was an asterisk beside it. Bitch-ass motherfuckers. It's- that, that's how it works with with Braun. Like if Braun wins, it's always be but Ray Allen, but 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 bro, Jordan Paxson, Kerr, come on, man. 
<laughs> it's the same the, thing. Exactly. Shut the fuck up, Cuffs. I really appreciate your insight. I think uh, a lot of people really sleeping on your shit, and I know that one of Let my... Let them sleep, man. Let no. them sleep. We're going to wake them up. One of my boys is uh, going to keep DMing me after he hears you on this right now. He ain't even know that we're going to have a two-hour goddamn interview soon. <laughs> but could you please tell listeners the name of your podcast and where to find you? Uh, the podcast is The Some Dude Show, man. The Some Dude Show is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all the platforms, Google Podcasts. I mean, it's a real transparent show, kind of like yours, man. But I, I yeah. talk about everything and the whole sports gambit, life conversations, just everything. So tune in to the Some Dude Show. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Cuffs the Legend, man. Just keeping a good energy out here, man, and just being unfiltered and just and just being real, man, like you, bro. So it, it was good to do this, man. No, I appreciate it. I just really had to really address that Pat Biff shit. I think you gave us some insight about Austin Reeves because I don't think a lot of people know that in the locker room he's liked, and that's a big thing. He's liked, yeah. He's a, he's respected. He's really respected. So I can't wait, man. We're going to link up. Though. I'm going to be out west soon. Just, I'm trying to relocate myself, man. So I'm going to be at more home games this year. So no, nah, for sure, bro. And, and one last thing. One last thing, dog. Could you please tell people, how'd you get verified on Twitter, dog? Being baller, being fucking baller, man. See, see, here's the thing, man. We got a lot of haters in this world. We got a lot of weirdos in this world. But it's real people that still exist. I tell yeah. people this all the time. And me and you, you ain't know me from a can of paint no. like a couple of years ago. But it's like the energy is real, bro. Like I said, I see the family. You a great family guy. I'm a family guy. Like I'm doing different business. But it's like it's a frequency, bro. So, yes. The alley oop was thrown up. The now Gary you want you want to know? Do you know where the where that motivation was from? The intro to your show is it Chris Broussard? I forgot who's do who's the, the intro. It's Chris, it's Chris Broussard. It's uh, Jason McIntyre. It's uh, it's all type of guys. Okay, man. so the so, intro man. of his show it just talks about like who is this guy? Who is this guy? And people like Jalen Rose. These people are talking, and I felt like sometimes when you get a notification on your phone, if someone's verified and has more than 10,000 followers, it's going to pop up on someone's regards because the, the blue check. And I said, bro, my man is out here doing it organically. We'll never ask anybody to do this. He could ask LeBron, ask somebody. And I was like, dog, I got to do this for him because his voice should not be censored or muted or even silenced. Like it has to be on a bigger loudspeaker. And that's why I did that for you because I felt like, dog, these other dudes, I didn't want them to have like a, do you know what I'm saying? Like, because you had yeah, the yeah, content exactly. yeah. and yeah. that was it. But anyways, my bro, um, thank you again for coming on, man. Everyone again, Cuffs the Legend. Make sure you follow him. Check out the podcast. And uh, much love again, Cuffs. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Much respect. So last Thursday... While the show was airing, episode 303, I believe, my agent, Matt Davis, one of my agents at Excel Sports Management, decided to take me on to play golf at Calabasas Country Club. Now, I go to the range, I see an old friend of mine, B. Wynn. He's a member there. And he's like, yo, Ben, what's up? Blah, 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 whatever. And we're just talking. And he's like, yo, look, Scotty Pippen. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck about Scotty Pippen, whatever, you know. I'm just literally trying to focus on my game, hitting some balls, feeling cool. My agent never struck me as a great player. I know my other agent, Andrew Kipper, is fucking A1. He's he's a scratch golfer. He's been playing all his life. He's Colin Moore, Kyle's agent. I just felt like he was going to kill it. But Matt is like, you know, chill dude, shorter guy like Rory's fucking McElroy's height. And um, we started playing, and this motherfucker is like, you know, it's different. You're at a range. You get 10 chances in the course. You know, you get one shot. Boom. You know, and hit it off the tee. My man is nailing these balls, 280. And I'm just like shocked and telling you he's been playing on his high school team, whatever. That's his country club. And like we playing on the front nine. I hit a 49 legit. Now, three, four months ago when I started playing round of 18, that might have been like, all right, cool. Well, shit, I'm about to break 100. We're good. If I could keep it this much or worse. Right now, that's not where I want to be. I'd like to see a 45 on front or back nine. And I want to go any higher than that, right? And that would be basically right there. That would be 12 over. And I'm worried. I'm like, yo, I'm playing like shit. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I have a couple good shots here and there. I, you know, didn't really par too much here. And I got to figure it out. So we go to the turn. And at the turn, 
for those of you who don't know, that's basically when you finish your front nine and you know you go to use a snack shop, you could chill, get us a lunch, whatever, get a drink, get a margarita, and then jump and hit the back nine. We get to the front nine finish, and Scotty Pippen is right behind us with the foursome. Um, this is DJ do with them and then some other dudes, three white boys. And we start talking here and there. And I'm not gonna bring up the fact that I know his wife or ex-wife, whatever, and whatever, and here and there. And it just seems cool. And I forgot what happened, but he almost hit me with the golf ball. One of the motherfuckers almost did. And I said, hey, bro, that shit almost hit me on hole five. Like, was good. He said, nah, that wasn't me, blah, blah, whatever. And he was just chilling. Didn't really sound like he wanted to talk much. I never, ever had great interaction with Scotty Pippen. Met him three or four times in my life. One of them was on Southwest. One was when he was on the Bulls coming to my school to practice because Bill Cartwright, you know, is from, you know, playing in San Francisco and he's, um, going uh, to, to play against Golden State, whatever. And this is during the MJ era. Like, this is championship year. So um, I don't like stopping because momentum for me, I like to have that good shit, you know what I'm saying, and, and go and boom. But I had a 49. I was like, I'm fucking sitting around, have a BLT, and calm my monkey ass down. Now, with intermittent fasting, you know, I usually start eating at 10, 30, 11. It was already like 12, 15, and I was like, fuck it, let me get some food and let me just let me just drink a Coca-Cola. So... We got on the back nine, and everything changes. I hit four over par. I hit a 40 on that motherfucker and changed the game. My agent hit a 78 or something. I think he beat me by 10 strokes or 11 strokes, and um, he was mad about his score, but he's really good. I was tripping. So we get to hole 16, and I hit a good shot, but it went left a little bit, and it went into the other fairway. Hole 15, Scotty Pippen and his crew are playing. So we drive the golf cart over there. I hit it over this lake, boom. And oh shit, you remember to say something? I'll say it in a second. So I go to his fairway and I'm like, my bad, bro. I'm gonna grab this ball. It's cool. He says, nah, you ain't gonna grab that ball. What you mean? Shit, I'm trying to see what you're trying to do. Now, I'm 187 yards away from the pin, from the hole. And I'm like, I was gonna take a drop. And add a stroke to my thing, whatever, because I was embarrassed, you know, whatever. And he's like, nah, man, you got a fan club here. Let's see what you're doing. I was like, hey, man, I've only been playing 18 rounds for four or five months, and I've only been playing for, you know, eight, nine months now. And he's like, shit, man, that's all good, bro. What's up? Let me see. Now, mind you, remember, Scotty Pierce has been playing with Michael Jordan forever. He's actually a really good golfer. He had a buttery swing. Like, I'm talking a gorgeous PGA-level swing. Beautiful. And just because you're an athlete don't mean you're going to be good at golf. It's a whole different thing. But yeah, there's, you know, circuit work ethics that people have. But his swing was gorgeous. So I'm going to lie. I was a little intimidated with our boom. 187 yards from the pin. There's two trees in front of me blocking the hole. Hit him over the trees, which I'm trying to do. Take out my three hybrid. Thank God I'm on, I'm on the fairway, but another fairway. Take it out. I literally don't spend too much time. I swing, you know, I, I, my backswing goes up in the sky. Boom. Hit that bitch up. It goes just at the tip of the tree. So it's had enough ball speed to go through the trees. And it ended up being like 27 yards from the hole. But I went right. So if I went, if, if it went straight, it probably would have been right on the green, which is fucking great. And he was like, okay, dog, gave me a high five. He was super hyped. He was like, yeah, man, hell yeah, bro. The crazy thing was, maybe it was hole 15 or 14 because what happened was, I had just parred the hole before that. He gave me good luck. I ended up parring every hole after that, which was crazy. So anyway, shout out to Scotty Pippen. He gave me great luck. I love Calabasas Country Club. I don't know what the fuck people were talking about. They said that course was trash. Let me tell you something. I fuck with that course heavy. Membership fee is super cheap there. I think it's $1,000 a month in fees. It's like way cheaper than anywhere else. A little far, but great fucking course. Fucking, I can't wait. I'm playing... This uh, charity event today for Deontay Wilder and his wife, Telly Swift, who I was on her podcast. And um, he's got a bunch of boxers, got, I think, Matt Barnes, Byron Scott's playing, uh, French Montana. And I got uh, the director of marketing for TaylorMade's going to be on my team. I got my cousin, who's a pro. And I got uh, my boy, Sam Yee, who's also a touring pro from the Asian tour. You know, so he's, you know, I got a squad like a motherfucker. So I'm, I'm excited for the day, just playing golf all day. Got a little thing later. There's some contests and we chilling. I'm excited for today. But I was watching the FedEx Championship this weekend and there was this Ally Pro-Am Challenge and Jalen Rose is wearing a Detroit Lions jersey 
And um, he's lefty, by the way. I didn't know. And they, he had like a, maybe a seven iron in his hand and he was trying to hit a ball. And I'm not joking you. He completely missed the ball like six times. And then he made like three divots missing the ball that way too. And it was the worst shit I ever seen in my life. It was, it was, I've never been that bad. Thank God, even when I first started, because I got lessons immediately. But wow, it was fucking pretty bad. I was like, damn, this motherfucker worse than me. Um, my agent, Matt, represents Blake Griffin. And Blake Griffin is right, maybe tad a little bit better than me. He started playing right in the beginning of the pandemic. And I'm just like, look, I can't wait for this Wash Lord fucking tournament. Like, I really can't. I think people are going to really get to see me in person and play. I already know right now. I've taken 20 fucking strokes off my index since spring of this year. If anybody knows how ridiculous that is, that's crazy. But I feel like that's the part was easy. Like for me to get now even five strokes off my index now is going to be a lot of work. If I could be a 10, 12 by my birthday, even a 12 by my birthday would be fucking amazing. But, you know, it's wishful thinking. Um, shout out to Rory McElroy. He is the first three-time FedEx champion. He beat the number one player in the world, Scotty Scheffler. The beautiful thing about both of them is they're both team tailor-made. And Rory just won the motherfucking championship with the Spider GT putter. Scheffler, is, they play with the TP5 ball, so do I. Rory plays with the TP5X, which is actually the ball I play with, right? I'm sponsored by TailorMade. I fucking love it. My Spider GT putter comes out the week of the Wash Lord tournament. It's beautiful. My sample just came in. Can't wait to show you guys. My shit is fucking gorgeous. Um, but yeah, shout out to Team Taylor Made. Shout out to all that. But yeah, that's that's it for golf. Ain't no more talking about motherfucking golf. Uh, my wife said that House of Dragon was so fucking good. And the last two episodes were so fucking good because I guess the season finale of Game of Thrones was bad and she's fully obsessed and I still haven't gotten to the show. So anyone who thinks that that show is the best, uh, good for you, fuck you. But um, Raising Canaan is back. Episode three aired last night. That shit was good as fuck. Episode two was cool. Episode one was was good. But episode three was some shit. I feel like it's starting to get there. And 50's a genius. I can't wait for the rest of the shit to come out. So if you haven't gotten to Raising Canaan, it ain't that hard to finish that first season and jump into this. It's good. But I watched this Korean movie this weekend called The Roundup. And it's really like part two of this thing. But it's got Don Lee, one of my favorite Korean actors. He's like the Steven Seagal, badass motherfucker. of. He's like the rock of Korea. And this movie is fucking good violence comedy you know action fucking i don't want to say not vicious what am i th like raw gangster shit right so don lee plays a police officer trying to extradite someone who's a korean thug criminal who fled to vietnam and these him and a couple other korean gangsters that were in vietnam are luring in rich tourists usually Korean tourists in Vietnam and kidnapping them and killing them. And the Vietnam government can't really do shit because, you know, they're foreign citizens. So they just kind of like, you know, fucking deport them or whatever the fuck it is. It's based on a true story. But the thing is, it wasn't about, it wasn't from Vietnam. It was guys in the Philippines. I ain't going to say too much more. Good fucking movie. The Roundup Korean movie. It's on Amazon Prime. Shit was lit. Now, Against Mike Tyson's wishes, he said this documentary on Hulu that they did on him was all cap. He wasn't behind it, which I have a problem with. I don't like motherfuckers going around people and doing something about their life when they're still alive and someone as vicious as Mike, that's just fucking corny because the dude's a good guy, man. Whatever he did in the past, man, dude is a fucking legend. And I decided, I said, you know what? I want to see this. It's fucking bad, man. I even liked the fucking Michael Jai White, HBO, Mike Tyson story before this. This shit was terrible. So don't waste your money on it. It is fucking bad. Don't watch it. I mean, literally, it is trash. It was just so fucking bad. I don't even know what to say. But, um, yo, man, I got some exciting shit that I want to do. I got a couple people I'm going to have on the show. I've asked my sister. She's down. My boy Jackson Wang, he wants to get on the pod. I want to get him on. But I got a few other people that I think you guys are going to find interesting that want to get on here and talk some shit. And one of them is my boy, John Shahidi, who I, without any like weirdness, 
feel good that, I, you know, I kind of helped this dude blow up. And um, he is the president CEO of Happy Dad. He is the president of Full Send. And he's a good friend of mine. And I think I'm going to jump on the Full Send podcast. And um, he wants to come on and talk some shit. He just got married. I want to congratulate him on that. But I want to talk about all the success. I introduced this dude to a very big person, and that changed his life forever, and he talks about it a lot. But yeah, my man John wants to come on the show, and I got a couple other people, and I'm getting ready for the Seattle game. I got a lot of shit coming up. I'm excited about other things, doing some dudes podcasts in Vegas, and all these other good things are coming up. I'm really excited. I'm so glad that I did not do that deal again with the major. We got shit. We'll still be able to figure out video and there's other stuff. And if anything, this new show that we're going to do is going to be fucking amazing, and I'm just crossing my fingers everything goes right but um guys make it a great day make it a great week try to be a better person today than you were yesterday try to be a better person tomorrow than you were today simple this is not your practice life i appreciate everybody who has embraced this show i appreciate everybody who's told a friend to tell a friend about this show and i appreciate all of the btb army guys you guys are fucking amazing i am going to figure out that for some golf for super followers first and then maybe do one with btb members and and i'm just fucking excited for all of this so everyone have a great week another good episode man still gave you guys an hour wanted you guys to you know what i'm saying hear a little insight about that Lakers shit shout out to my boy cuffs the legend and um yeah man we're back on thursday guys all right that's my man lakey lake right there playing that shit that means ben it's time for you to go and it is time for y'all to download this episode subscribe to the show all that stuff sorry i'm talking over this little jazzy ass beat but yeah we're out of here y'all all right peace